Hello everyone, I'm Rachel Sabonak-Chanko and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. The following conversation features Marissa Hoff and Chris Stevenson of the Empower Group and Be Military Fit, an outdoor fitness franchise. We discuss how the duo got to be where they are today, what trends they're seeing in the industry regarding virtual and outdoor fitness, our favorite leadership books, and much more. These two really are gems and we're a joy to chat with. Enjoy. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Chris, Marissa, thank you so much for joining me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Our pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, first off, I'd just love to, you know, learn a little bit about your journey from Stevenson Fitness to uh, the Empower Group. Uh, can you, 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 how did that all come about? So, uh, you know, we've both been in the fitness industry for a really long time. And, and prior to even Stevenson Fitness, I had a smaller version, which was a personal training only studio uh, way back before studios were cool. Um, <laughs> the reason we had it was because that was all I could mentally manage and afford. But in retrospect, I lie. And I say, so that's when we invented the studio market almost 20 years ago. Um, but really is what we managed from there. We were super successful and we were able to expand to the full service club and uh, ran that successfully for 10 years. And, um, you know, one point had the highest net promoter score in the industry um, when Ursa did the study with TRP. So we prided ourselves on the customer experience and uh, had a really great run. And just because we were able to do so many good things uh, through our journey with Stevenson Fitness, we then applied it to the consulting world with the Empower Group. So we were able to present all over the world and work with clubs everywhere. It's just been a really incredible journey. Yeah. What about you, Marissa? What do you love about the journey so far? Oh, well, it's been really exciting to, one, learn something totally different. So my background is I had a master's in education. I was an elementary school teacher for about 10 years and uh, ended up moving to the suburbs when my children were small and started taking kickbox classes at the local club with Chris Stevenson and eventually became a client in that little training studio. And uh, because of some of the work that I had done for the elementary school as a volunteer, I knew like all the great vendors for apparel and for printing. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's, um, let's do a little bit more. You know, this was just voluntary and I just had some time. I'm like, let's redo your apparel because uh, I have someone that can do it for you. And uh, while we're at it, let's redo the, like the client training system. There was just so much potential, but it just wasn't really buttoned up, as you would say. So then I just started, you know, kind of volunteering uh, at the what we call the little gym. And then we had the opportunity to expand to the full service health club. And we thought it would be kind of like what we were doing before, but just on a bigger scale. And it ended up being, you know, like a 70 hour a week and working you know, opening at five o'clock in the morning and being there on Saturdays and Sundays, but learning so much about an industry that I have completely fallen in love with. And uh, it's been amazing. The people and everyone is here because they want to help others. And what a better way to, to work. So it's been great. Yeah. Life's funny, isn't it? You just never know where things are going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, you know, in your roles with the Empower Group, you know, what trends are you seeing across the industry right now? What have been the biggest challenges for clubs over the last 12 months and what success stories have you seen? 
Well, I think obviously trend wise, and it's, it's no surprise. You're seeing a lot of virtual and a lot of outdoors. Um, I would say, you know, just straight up trends. And obviously we're, we'll talk about it in a bit, but we're trying to capitalize on the trend of yeah. being outdoors, which we see a lot of opportunity in, but um, I think, I think those are probably the two biggest things. And uh, I think what's interesting is prior to the pandemic, uh, if I would have said, hey, Rachel, why don't you hop on a Zoom and I'll train you? You'd have been like, you're out of your mind, weirdo. But, <laughs> you know, things were things were locked down long enough that this is the norm uh, or have a happy hour. Yeah. Uh, if, if I would have said, you have a drinking problem if you were trying to meet me on a Zoom. Uh, to, and now it's like a normal thing. And we still do it once a week with a bunch of fit pros. It's been incredible. But, uh, you know, because of the lockdowns and the guidelines and things being you know, different for long enough that it become habits with people. So now, you know, it's totally normal to do a virtual workout and, and that market is huge. And same thing with outdoors. Yeah. And we're also seeing a trend, you know, in what people are doing on their own. I'm seeing a ton of solopreneurs. Um, I'm involved at the Women in Fitness Association and there are so many people that used to be at clubs or whatever. And for whatever reason, They've just become their own brand, their own business. And we're seeing so many of, especially really strong trainers, really strong, strong group X instructors, just kind of doing their own thing and, and doing it well. So that market has totally changed. And in that, you know, it does present challenges for those of us still in the club role, right? If I'm a group X manager, uh, my strong instructors are doing their own thing. So even balancing that, how do I bring people back? Um, even attracting and retaining new group X instructors is a little hard or trainers who for whatever reason decided because their club was closed for a year that they were going into a, an entirely new uh, industry. Uh, so I think that presents a lot of challenges. And uh, with that, there is a, another whole thing that's totally separate, but attracting and retaining members. But Chris can talk a little bit about that. And then we have a couple of success stories that we've seen with some of our clients. Yeah. yeah I think one of the big challenges too uh, is less revenue and the importance of an incredible experience. So, you know, when Marissa talks about getting people back in the club, you have to create, because people realize now I can get this outside. I can get this at home. I can get this virtually. Now it's never the same as, as the experience that great operators provide, but you got to be so focused on creating experience that they just can't duplicate anywhere else but it's your facility. And now we're doing that with uh, higher expenses because of all the safety guidelines, precautions and the stuff you have to order, oftentimes with less staff and people doing multiple roles. So that's gonna be a big challenge is just you know with more expenses and less revenue, at least initially, still figuring out how to be creative and motivate your staff to get them to create this experience that will attract members and, and show them that they really do need to come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you seen any clubs tackling these challenges head on and, and having some success? Yeah, well, we have actually a local client um, and I'm a member. This is how we st I met her originally. I was a member at her club. Apparently she, that's how Marissa gets involved in any yeah. aspect. Of she works out somewhere and then all of a sudden works for them. Yeah. <laughs> so they opened, they're a franchise and they opened in September of 2019, right before COVID. And as many of you listening know, here in LA, uh, we closed in March and uh, really have been closed for the better part of the entire year. So we opened two weeks ago. So that was at the end of March. So 12 months of being completely shut down. And 
uh, what Jennifer did is a, an amazing job of going straight to outdoors. And their model is a boot camp. And I think part of what she did was continue to provide a great experience for members by engaging with them on social, um, creating little groups, and then really hustling. So she would bring out all her equipment at the, in the parking lot. So luckily she had a landlord that was kind enough to say, okay, you can do that. I mean, that was one challenge that some clubs just couldn't get past. If your yeah. landlord wasn't willing to work with you, then there's not a lot you could do, but luckily hers was. So they were in the parking lot. They'd put all their equipment out there every morning, bring it out at the end of the morning classes, and then do it all again in the afternoon, every single day, seven days a week. And they continued to build a social media presence, engage, and they continued to grow members. So they were outside in the parking lot longer than they had been inside and yeah. continued to grow members. But they were one of the only clubs in town that were really offering something. Our local Orange Theory, our local LA Fitness, completely shut down. There was really no offering. So uh, she did a really great job of just changing, moving outside, and then continuing to engage with members. And it was awesome. Yeah. There, there are two companies, too, that we do work with in the UK. One is called Energy Fitness Club and the others uh, be military fit and they did an excellent job because they just from a from a mentality standpoint said we're not closing right we're just providing our solution in a different way because ultimately we don't sell brick and mortar space you know we don't sell outdoors what we sell is our expertise and our motivation and our accountability so with them they just said we're not really shutting down we're just moving the venue it's going to be online for a while so they were uh companies. I know BMF was a company that was one of the very few that actually grew during shutdown. We're still actively selling memberships. So by keeping that mentality, what do we really sell? We sell fitness, health and wellness solutions, not so much about where you're doing it. Right. And, and just, that was the assumption. We say, Hey, we're going to keep serving you just in a different way. And they were very, very successful with that approach. Yeah. So is that how you got introduced to be military fit, which we'll talk a little bit more about here in a second um, through being their clients? Yeah, so we've done a lot of work with Energy Fitness, and we plan to do so uh, down the road as well. And there's some crossover in leadership. So this is such a great industry because, as Marissa said earlier, we get to help people. We improve the quality of their lives, make people happy, uh, build communities. It's just a great industry. A couple of years ago, I was in China speaking at an event, and uh, no one spoke English except one of the other speakers who, uh, his name is Jan Spatikia. And, um, you know, he was the founder of the energy group. So every night after the event, we were the only two that spoke English. So we literally had to talk to each other. And as we got to know each other, you know, more and more, we saw so many similarities just from a culture standpoint, you know, val mission, vision, values. Um, it was sort of, we just really hit it off and we said, we got to find a way to work together. So that's how, and then he got involved with BMF and that's how we kind of got to where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me more about Be Military Fit and especially for the audience who may not be familiar with the concept, exactly what it is and um, what you guys are going to be doing with it here in the States. So Be Military Fit has actually been around in the UK for about 20 years. Um, and it was born out of British. It was originally British military fitness and it was the science and the methodology behind, you know, becoming fit. Uh, originally in the soldier field, right? And so they knew yeah. ways to get people fit and they figured we'll apply this science, this methodology uh, to train people. And it was always outdoors, always has been for 20 years. And about two years ago, they um, were purchased by a private 
Equity Group and Bear Grylls. So for, for those of you who know him, like my kids grew up watching him. He's like the adventure guy who uh, would do all kinds of crazy stuff. And they moved into the franchising role two years ago. So they kind of shifted the model to try to expand and they're still only in the UK. But with Jan being so involved and we just are just love everything that he does and he's got such a great energy. He's like, my gosh, this is like a no brainer. You guys need to do this out there. And the more we looked at what BMF was doing, we're like, yeah, we want to do this out here. So we decided to, we're going to pilot the first location here in the U S it's actually um, BMF Westlake is what we're going to call it. And uh, it's 10 minutes from here in our local park. And from there, we hope to expand the brand and, partnership with BMF UK. Awesome. It's pretty cool. By the way, side note on Bear Grylls, he's got a great Netflix special that just came out. It's a show and you actually get to choose what he does. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, I think I'm subconsciously trying to kill Bear Grylls because <laughs> every, every time there was a choice, I chose the word, like the one was build a raft and float safely to this area or try to get through shark infested waters. I'm like, shark infested. <laughs> or sh should I, should I eat these berries? or this grub. And I'm like, the grub, let's get, so I just, I think I subconsciously trying to kill him, but yeah, so uh, it's a great concept. And what we loved about it is even with the military heritage, it gives you this great foundation, but it's taught to three different levels. So all the instructors are coached to teach to anybody. So it's very, very inclusive and building community. It's always been important, but even more so that experience of community is going to be so important as clubs reopen and we try to get to this new normal. So just an awesome program and, and we're super excited. Yeah. So they've actually been in lockdown again. I think it's the third lockdown. And so again, they, they did everything virtually. Okay. We're not in the park, so we're online. And so we've actually been teaching to their members in the UK for a couple months now. And uh, people who are a part of BMF love, love BMF. It's just like they're, they just love the community that they built. And I feel like we've got friends, you know, we see Ben all every week or Eleanor and we we now are engaging with them on social media and it's so cool and we're so excited to be able to do that here with our own people but they really love what BMF offers and really have a great little community. And what Marissa said too earlier about more solopreneurs you got more independent fitness professionals doing their own thing in addition to our location which will be the proof of concept location here um, you know, we'll be the agency to the U S so we'll help them sell franchises, support the franchise, get them into business. So for us, it's really rewarding because we've been, you know, operating so long. So we'll still have our, our operation, but to be able to provide other people with an opportunity to be successful in such a great industry is very, it's very motivating to us. So we joke that we're either going to directly help people with their health and fitness, or we're going to help people who help people with their yeah. health and fitness. Right. So it's exciting to be able to, to support the industry that way. Yeah. And we are looking for partners, you know, just as we start to develop a little bit to bring in, uh, because on the UK side, almost all the franchisees are actually military veterans. We're one of the few civvies. So just involving ourselves with organizations that help veterans or uh, even on the fundraising side, that's something that's a unique partnership that we're just starting to explore. Because I do think there's a lot of opportunity to, for them on that side, they come out of the military and it gives them uh, a career, a job. And it's the, the entry point is fairly low. So it's not like a super expensive franchise to get into. So it's giving them a career path that they really enjoy and can use the skills that they learned. And so we're excited about exploring that here as well. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff to be excited about with this new venture. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. And then going back to what you were saying, um, Marissa, about, you know, knowing everyone's names and having that community, it sounds like Be Military Fit is really good about creating and fostering that tribe mentality, which I think we've learned throughout the course of the pandemic is, you know, really important for clubs these days and will be even more important as people, you know, come out of isolation and are seeking, you know, ways to connect. Yeah, that word tribe is really powerful. And we're seeing, I mean, even, you know, people like, uh, Peloton, you know, they're trying to develop these little tribes within the community. Um, Or the example with my client, they're like, totally into hardcore fitness is what they're called. Um, So I think that's going to be a real strength for anyone really, uh, that comes out of this and, you know, like, Oh, there's my people. I miss my people. So it's exciting. Yeah, just to just to piggyback on that too. and, And I think it's important for operators to understand, as as we both kind of said before, you know, I can work out via Zoom. I can hop on a Peloton. I can go for runs outside. Those are available. And now I realize that that is possible. So so as an operator, you got to strive to build community, right? So people aren't just, you know, loyal to you as a facility, but they're loyal to each other. And, and there's these building groups inside your your community, in, inside your facility are going to be huge. You, you've got to give people a reason to be there beyond a treadmill or beyond a kickbox class. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the outdoor fitness trend. And if you all feel that it has staying power, you know, beyond the pandemic, I, I feel like obviously, yes, because you've invested <laughs> in, a, in an outdoor fitness franchise. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts for other operators on if um, it's something that they should still be thinking about? Well, we, we definitely hope it's a trend that continues because if not, we're in big trouble. Uh, no, but we, we, we truly believe it will. And uh, Marissa, why don't you share a little bit about your experience with working out outside? Because I think it's Yeah, well, I mean, we have, you know, we were talking before the call started about how we've all changed in this last year in a number of ways. Um, And just if you had told me that a year ago, I'd be working out in a parking lot, you know, that's kind of dirty. And even here in LA in the mornings, it could be 35 degrees, you know, with mittens and layers and the whole thing, I would have thought you were crazy. Like, there's no way that's not my scene. But we found out that we all started doing things differently and working out outside. People actually enjoy it. You know, they love the fresh air. They love being able to, you know, have a little room, have some variety. So I do think that consumers have changed a little bit and have learned to do stuff outside. I mean, you walk anywhere, you'll see some trainer in the park with a bunch of clients. Um, So it's definitely something that 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 is happening. Although Chris and I have talked about whether that's going to change depending on what your model is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're asking, you know, in order to be successful, you got to be intentional about it. So, you know, clubs that threw a bunch of stuff in the parking lot, which was a good thing because that's what they had to do may or may not be successful, may not continue, but if you're going to do it, be intentional. So create an, a, an awesome environment. Don't just put machines in the parking lot, you know, add some ambiance, whether that's plants, uh, uh, proper tents, make it, make it something that looks like we're working outside to give you another option, not we're out here because we have to be, right? Because then nobody likes it. But if you're like, no, this is a great alternative. You want to be inside, be inside. You want to be outside, be outside, but do it intentionally. 
same thing, you know, with our brand in particular, you know, you're going to set up nice big uh, sale flags out in front and you'll have the branded van that has all the equipment, uh, cone, everything really organized and done properly. Again, so that people aren't like, oh, this guy's in the park because he doesn't feel like paying rent somewhere or whatever. So you want to just be very intentional and make it a real outdoor experience. Yeah. And and it operators. has its own defined space. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think operators right now are are starting to think about this as savvy operators. Like, okay, is this really part of our model? And if it's not, then it's not. And they move back to what they were doing before and that's fine. But we know a number of operators that invested, like Chris said, in really nice tents or in uh, flooring for the outdoors and also connecting with their member base, right? So what do, what do members enjoy? What do they like getting feedback from them? And they're intentionally planning what that outdoor solution is gonna look like. For some of us, it's year round. For others, it might be, we're gonna provide an outdoor solution from March through September. You know, really, uh, it, it just requires, like Chris said, intentionality about what that is gonna look like. Yeah, definitely. And part of that too, you know, even with us, you know, as Marissa was talking, this originally was designed as an opportunity for, for veterans, right, who are coming out. But this is an opportunity for solopreneurs, for veterans. And also one of the things that appealed to us about BMF is being able to provide clubs an outdoor solution. So if an actual club said, wow, we'd love to add a BMF, you know, option to our facility, then we can step in and do that with them as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, any other keys to how to do outdoor fitness successfully or just things people should keep in mind if they are thinking of continuing it or adding it? Well, I definitely, like we talked about, if you're a club, you're really being strategic about it. Uh, one thing that we found even in getting into this, uh, it's really important that if, if you are a solopreneur, for instance, and you're thinking about starting an outdoor concept, that you really think about it on a very professional level. So as I mentioned, you know, we're going out there and we're seeing people in parks doing their own thing, but there are some risks involved in just going out there and training that. So do you have the right insurance to make sure you're covered as a professional and your clients are covered? Um, even, you know, we're, we're gonna have a portable AED. There's no uh, law really that requires us to do that. But of course we wanna make sure that we are as professional as possible given the circumstances that we have. So looking at insurance, looking at you know any sort of AED stuff, and then also really working with the park to make sure that uh, this happened to me actually. We had a, my yoga studio, uh, they started doing outdoor stuff in the park and they ended up getting kicked out of the park because they weren't allowed to be there. And so then they had to have like secret locations and you'd have to look <laughs> on Instagram where to go. And it was just kind of like uh, as a consumer, not a great experience. So really, by the way, on, on a side note, she has not started working for the yoga. Company <laughs> yet. <laughs> not yet. No <laughs> yoga in the parking lot was not as appealing to me as uh, lifting in the parking lot. So uh, yeah. Yeah. But, no, but to Marissa's yeah. point, she, you really, it's so tempting to just go out there and do it without the permits, without the insurance. Uh, and, and you are putting, not only is it putting you, you know, you're liable, you're at risk. It's just, it's just bad news. I mean, really need to do it right. Especially those solopreneurs out there that are listening to this, you know, do it the right way. Cause long-term, if you're going to grow and you're going to scale, uh, that's going to be really important. Yeah, yeah. Even things like looking at how to, uh, get people to pay you and stuff like that. You know, I, I know the temptation is like, let's take donations and you can Venmo me and I'm not going to pay my taxes. And I understand why that would be appealing, but 
if, if you want to be seen as a professional and you're going to be paid as a professional, right? I'm charging $80 an hour, then you need to act like a professional. And that, that to me is really important. Yeah. Right. And, and to your point, actually, in an industry that struggled, right? Um, what, what it seemed like the government seemed to think was exercise is essential, but health clubs aren't essential. That's, that's the unfortunate thing that was, that occurred. So know that how you operate reflects on our entire industry. So if you're out there doing stuff wrong or under the table, that stuff, is, and by the way, that's the stuff that people hear, right? When, yeah. when we had the shutdowns and people were, they don't hear about this hardcore fitness who did everything by the book, right and safe from day one. They hear about the, the, the gym that's like flooded with people and no masks and, and they got shut down and a dude kicked the door in. That's what, that's what people are hearing. And that, and that brings in, in an industry that's now trying to position itself as, as health and wellness, not just exercise, you know, you do all, all operators reflect on the industry as a whole. So if we all, you know, so what is it? A rising tide raises all boats. You know, if we all do things the right way, we're going to give our industry a, a much better name. And if God forbid anything like this ever happens again, or any issues, we're going to be seen a lot more. We're going to be seen different than we were this first time around. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I know you're hearing a lot of operators also now talking about, you know, more credentials or having Mm -hmm. increased certifications. So yeah, definitely something that people should be thinking about as a potential trend moving forward. Yeah. And I think, you know, as an industry, we're also um, working to have higher standards, right? So we've talked about this, Chris and I left, you know, why would everyone say that gyms were dirty? Like that was just the perception. I know, I know that we were constantly cleaning most of the operators. I know that was so important, but there's a little bit of a perception. So even if we have the standards that this is just minimum professionalism as a cleaning, as an operator, those, those are things that help all of us. And especially with all this legislation and government and uh, relief acts, all that stuff is something that we need to as an industry come together. To- and we've been doing a lot of that on the URSA board of directors. You know, I'm on the standards committee and we're yeah. working on a project with that now. URSA put out the active and safe uh, protocol. So, you know, we're definitely working on that and, and it's, it's starting to really get some traction. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit to learn a little bit more about each of you. Um, just a fun question. You know, what's a fun fact about each of you that people in the industry may not know? Well, I'll start. I think people are always surprised. I actually grew up in South America. Um, Yo soy colombiana y hablo español perfectamente. And people are always like, what? Huh? I'm like, no, but really, I'm Marisa Gutierrez. Um, And people are always like, no. I'm like, yeah, really, I am, you know, 100% Colombian. So that's always something that surprises people. Yeah, I did not know that. (laughs) See, there you go. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, what about you, Chris? Some people may know, uh, but uh, my first job out of college was doing stunts for the kids' show Power Rangers. So I was on their like countrywide tour. We'd go city to city live this weekend at the arena. Uh, and I ended up doing that for about 15 years on and off, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, hospital visits, and then the live shows, meet and greets. And uh, it was pretty cool. And I think that's why I got into fitness, because I was used to wearing spandex. And it just seemed natural <laughs> to start teaching group exercise. I love it. Well, and then, um, you know, for each of you, what is a favorite leadership book of yours and why do you love it so much? So I'm a huge fan of Patrick Lencioni. So anything they put out, I think is awesome. I love five dysfunctions of a team. I always think if, if I was going into a new organization and even now with uh, getting into BMF and energy, just, you know, trying to understand what the energy of the group is and the culture and, uh, 
really kind of moving with that. I, I just love everything he writes. Yeah, I think I, I just read The Motive by him. Oh, you did? I haven't. Yeah. And? Yeah, it was it was really good. Mm. Yeah. What's the premise? Um, so it's basically about um, really honing in on your motivation for being a leader. Um, and if you're wanting to be a leader for status or power, basically you shouldn't be in leadership. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just really looking at your intention and what your role is as a leader. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What's a good leadership I mean, book? You know, we hear that there's so many good books out there. One that I think flies a little bit under the radar is Decisive by Dan and Chip Heath. And I, that for me, um, I consider a leadership because leaders make decisions all the time. And it's basically the premise of the book is as human beings, we make terrible decisions. But if we approach it a little differently, we'll never be perfect, but we can make much better decisions. So I like books that are super tactical where I can take action on, on everything in there. And it really helped me personally with my decision-making ability. Yeah. I haven't read that one. I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah. You'll like it. It's good. Okay. Yeah. One of the books that I'm reading right now that I'm absolutely in love with is the art of gathering. I don't know if you've heard of it. Ooh. It's um, by Priya Parker and it's basically just about how to bring people together in any setting, whether it's a Zoom hmm. meeting, a conference, an event, uh, a gathering at your home, and really honing in on that purpose and building the experience around it. But yeah, it has applications for business and personal life. And I'm yeah really enjoying it. Wow, so that's cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, we're getting a bunch of ideas for our events and oh yeah. So yeah, nice. very cool. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about or share before we close? You got to have we... some, so you come on, Marissa, you got to have some closing thought. Oh, no, I just, <laughs> I think we did a great job of covering everything. And uh, I, I do say, here's one thing that I will say that um, this last year, although it's been incredibly challenging, I know um I'm very relieved that we didn't have a brick and mortar facility and feel for all the people who did, but this industry has really done an amazing job of coming together. And I mean, we've worked with a ton of people for free and helped uh, other people and they've helped other people. It's just been uh, really refreshing to see, you know, competitors working side by side to try to, you know, have us all come out of this in a better way. And uh, getting to meet people virtually is crazy. Like I, there's a lot of people that we've mentored and worked with this last year that I feel like I personally know, but I've actually never met them in person. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really cool thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think one final thing that this taught us is just don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do you know, continually innovate. Don't, don't wait to be forced to, you know, I think historically we've been an industry that was bad at innovating, right? We kind of didn't innovate as quickly as a lot of other industries. And now we're like, Oh, now everybody's doing virtual and outdoors and all kinds of new stuff. So, you know, when, when, you know, I guess it's just, uh, don't see things as problems, see them as challenges, right? Because problems stop you challenges are things you just have to figure out. But we do have a great industry, probably the best industry in the world. What we get to do on a daily basis is incredible. And I'm not sure there's anything better than that. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.